Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. And welcome back to the podcast. Saul Marquez here. I have the excellent Alex Guastella. He's the founder and CEO of Quicker Care, the interceptive digital platform that guides patients into immediate care facilities. Prior to founding Quicker Care, he was a leader and advisor in startup organizations that ring a bell to your mind, I'm sure. Tidal Care, Medulin, ZocDoc, and many more. Alex has also worked on strategies with healthcare organizations like Aetna, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and HCA to build technologies that positively impact the population. His passion is to solve the deepest issues in the current global healthcare system, and he's very involved with healthcare technology as an entrepreneur with 12 years of business development and technology deployment experience with providers and payers. He's super passionate about fixing the terrible experience all people face when becoming a patient. And it's truly a pleasure to have him on the podcast so that we could dive in further into this concept of consumerism and also uh, improving the user interface of healthcare. So Alex, thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. So uh, what, what is it that got you into the healthcare sector? It was pretty simple. I mean, for me, I've always been intrigued with, with technology in general, just ever since I was young trying to create things, do whatever the case was. Um, When I was in college, I had the path of going to med school, ended up ditching that as I helped start to build technology for healthcare organizations. So I ditched that path and kind of set my, my focus on healthcare digital technology as opposed to being an actual healthcare provider. Love it. And you haven't looked back since. You've done some really cool work. What would you say, if you had to summarize it, What's a hot topic that needs to be on every health leader's agenda? And how are you and your team at Quicker Care uh, doing this? You know, I would say one is looking towards technology to solve some of the major issues like physician shortage or nursing uh, shortage. Um, I don't know if we can always believe that we have a lack there of professionals. I think sometimes we could say some technology can help solve that. And then obviously somewhere maybe... Uh, professionals, if that makes sense. But I think sometimes right now we we go into, especially a lot of health leaders, if that makes sense, kind of dive deep into kind of the tried and true. If we educate more, we we become more. But just because you educate more people to do something in, in healthcare, that doesn't always mean they're good doctors or, or nurses or whatever the case is. So I think that if we can help, you know, have technology there to help us, it would really make organizations much less painful. Yeah, the power of tech. So how would you summarize what Quicker Care does or provides? Who do you guys provide it for? What value are you adding? Yeah, really, we, we built a technology that helps the patient to start as opposed to just the health systems. So that's who we really built it for. Uh, when a patient gets sick, they go online. We actually find out that most people who have that like kind of not necessarily critical patients, but they're more of an emergent emergency or an emergent type of patient. Um, we'll spend somewhere around 45 minutes finding an immediate care f- uh, facility or somebody to talk to, like through telehealth or whatever the, the case is online. They'll end up on seven different platforms to be able to come up with that answer, whether they should go to a facility or not. And so we're really trying to really grasp the, grab the patient from that perspective and then guide them to the best facility. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's basically what, what we do. It's a frustrating process. The other day I was 
at my brother's house. And he's just like, man, I've been trying to book an appointment with just to see a new primary care physician. Yeah. And it's taking me three days and it's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> and, no, and, and it no. shouldn't be that bad, right? It shouldn't. No, it shouldn't. And this is a part of like what technology is. And in my, in my prior life, we obviously helped solve that, that issue there. And they've done a, you know, we and they have done a now a phenomenal job of being able to, you know, help start to solve that. But I still go to new cities all the time or talking to people that have never heard of it. And it's this company that sees, you know, millions of patients a month. And so it's crazy that, that that's even a problem. But one of the things that very recently that that I thought was was quite interesting, there was a study done that the millennial generation, um, and I, and just as one caveat, I am actually a millennial myself, more on the older side, but the millennial generation is the start of uh, people who actually yeah. don't go to the doctor in general for things like like physicals. And I actually think that's where like telehealth will actually you know help maybe either replace or soothe where we can use telehealth as our general physician uh, for everyday checkups or whatever the case is. And then we do see this kind of rise in urgent care um, happening in the U.S. specifically. And so I think that that'll kind of be the like the bridge of the two, right? When you get really sick, you end up in one of those types of facilities. But when you're generally just trying to get your wellness visit or your updates or just give more information to your doctor, you know, we, we can do it virtually and make it pretty painless. A lot of things are changing in, in telemedicine, you know, it's, uh, sure. I was having a chat with somebody else and, and we were talking about how clunky it still is where if you're licensed in one state, you can't <laughs> provide telemedicine in another state. Yes. Yeah the US and it just kind of like we've got some work to do <laughs> in the fundamentals of kind of the <laughs> licensure and where you could provide practice but definitely some promising stuff there what would you say alex is an area or an example of how quicker care has made a difference give us a success story one of our partners or, or, or health systems actually believe that more customers are more partners which are our partners would be either health systems or urgent care providers but one of them was having a big problem with kind of one overutilized facility centrally located in their area. And then the other three just weren't getting enough patients and not just getting enough patients, just can they route those patients from either the downtown area or that, that overutilized facility to the other. And within just about six months, we were able to see a 30% shift to two of the other facilities and actually were able to lower the wait time in their, one of their main facilities. And it actually worked out really well. I mean, within just six months, we do that through many um, algorithms on our end and really just kind of like visual marketing towards the patient so that they can make a, a better decision or, or a strategic decision. So, you know, they may end up driving an extra two miles to get to a facility, but they don't wait, right? Where if they go to this other one, you're going to wait two hours. And so that generally is a, a pretty big cause for a lot of hospitals, really being able to kind of not necessarily attract new patients. I think that's always what people kind of think is the default, but it's really being able to look at a whole population and try to route patients to other underutilized facilities so that then doctors can focus on patients for a longer period of time so they can give the best quality of care. Super interesting approach there. So yeah, I mean, you, you take a look at yourself and you, you go to the physician. If your, your provider's guiding you to a place where you're going to get better service, better care, why not? And it's oftentimes the invisible things that happen behind the scenes that really make a difference. So what would you say your organization's doing right now to really kind of highlight those things, right? Yeah. So right now what we're doing, I mean, we're, we're kind of in that growth phase where we're trying to get more partners as quickly as possible. But, you know, one of the things that we're doing is a lot of outreach on the patient side. So what are they doing online and then going to their specific targets? So that's like Facebook or whatever, but then actually showing them more or less like 
ads that show them what the closest weights are when they're sick. Uh, and we even track them when they're writing things on like Facebook or whatever that says, oh, I'm not feeling well. And we you know, hope that we can at least veer them from making a bad decision, either that bad decision being waiting too long or I always use kind of a weird situation, but you know, I'm a big proponent of technology and healthcare. Twice now in what, two years, I've tried to use telehealth and gotten zero result and then not even told where to go afterward. And I think that's sometimes because when you're sick, you're, you're hoping to, to get an answer and you can't. So we're, we're really trying to find the patients that are doing that so that they at least have us as an option. And that, that you know, mm-hmm. our goal is to that we don't have to do as much educating. And I think over the next like three or four years, our level of having to educate will, will drop drastically. No, that's super interesting. And so you, you guys have been building Alex, and, and so you're building the company. You guys have, have made some strides. You're still looking to grow some more. Sure. What would you say one of the setbacks you've had? Uh, what, what did you learn from it? Yeah, so one of the biggest setbacks that, that we have is I'm, I'm a big advocate for build it later, you know, if that makes sense. So a lot of technology companies do that. And I wouldn't do it to, you know, do that, have that strategy unless, you know, it really made, made sense. And that's kind of been our strategy. Well, then we, you know, had in the middle of this year had migrated to a full new stack, which has not been the, the most fun. So we haven't had any issues with data or anything along those lines. It's just really getting acclimated into the new technology, launching it properly. And then built inside of that is we actually have proprietary technology that um, uses AI to take your, your symptoms as a patient, as opposed to you making a decision up front but taking those symptoms and giving you a decision from a, an algorithm perspective works great. From a production perspective, we haven't fully gone live with that just because it, it's been very hard at this point, but we're getting there and we're just mm-hmm. kind of working through it. And for us, it's kind of always being optimistic. And from a sales perspective or a business development perspective, we don't sell that today, right? We actually, we try to set a really good expectation. So we don't want to kind of like promise the world and not be able to deliver. Yeah. And so let's dive deeper into that. So when you say build it later. Sure. What do you mean? So if I just give you an example to make it easier, right? So uh, our life cycle as a company, our first kind of like nine months or so of a platform was just a simple search directory for patients to find immediate care. So that's, we listed only urgent care facilities and emergency rooms and even convenient care facilities. Gotcha. So that's all we, we did for a year. And then we even went out after about, you know, nine months that year to get on some early customers and uh, we didn't even have the software. So we, we sell a software platform to the hospitals that allows patients to hold their spot in line. Um, and we didn't build it quite yet. We would go out and get a few partners. We would actually give them the entire landscape of what, what the strategy is when we want to go live. Um, we had about 10 customers or, or 10 you know, early pilot customers, if that's what you want to call it, kind of a commit. And then once that was, we finished building the software, launched it, and allowed it to go live. Uh, we primarily, did, you know, I think in technology, a lot of a lot of people do that is A, you don't want to get into a waterfall situation where you're, you're building because you think people want it and then you go to launch and nobody wants it and so you've spent all this money and time. And so it. that's one thing we didn't want to have to do. And we also didn't want to have to go out and raise a lot of capital to kind of always be rethinking the wheel. And so we, uh, that was kind of our strategy, you know, whether people like that or not, but that's, that, that's what, what we, we chose to do. Yeah, no, I love it, man. I, I, I'm clear on it now. And and I think it's a, it's definitely a smart way to go. You, you know, if you build it, they necessarily won't come. Yeah. Uh, but if you, if you sit around and you ask the right people, you meet them where they are, then you'll figure out where you're going to get traction and then you build it. Oh, absolutely. And, and we've seen that not even just in healthcare, but especially in you know, con- consumer facing technologies from around the world. Lots of big investors will come in and invest in these, in these founders. Uh, we saw a big one in healthcare. 
uh, about two years ago where they were building these really cool little devices and then they never had any customers and they realized that um, commercialization is so much different in healthcare. Um, it's much more price sensitive, especially when it's not fully covered by insurance and things like that. And so, but you just lost $40 million because of that. And, um, I get that you learn a lot of things through that aspect. I couldn't put myself to have to call up investors if people didn't want to buy it and say, hey, listen, guys, no, nobody wants to buy what we have. We have to completely pivot, but we've only got half the amount of cash now at this point to, yeah. to pivot. And that, that's a hard conversation. Yeah, for sure. So how about on the other side of uh, the coin here, Alex? Mm-hmm. What's one of your proudest experiences to date with uh, Quicker Care? Proudest moments. I mean, being able to onboard people pretty quickly and get them to be successful. In I mean that by you know not having a long cycle of employees having to kind of figure out what you know how the strategy works, especially on the sales side. Um, and so we've done done a really good job of, of interviewing. You know, we're really strong on our interviews. We do a lot of calls. I mean, some people think think it's almost r- ridiculous at this point, but you know, we want to be as sure as we, as we can, because I don't want to waste somebody else's career as well as ours and our time and money. And so mm-hmm. to date, I've had, we've been able to hire some really good people and um, they've been able to do deals or, or if they're not in sales, be able to kind of execute their jobs at that point very quickly. And then we're really excited about that. No, that's great. What would you say one of your most recommended interview tips is? Don't always ask the obvious, right? So I don't just ask like, what would you do in this situation? What would you do in this this situation? So I think that's big. And if I actually interjected a second one, that's kind of caveats that ask things that are kind of like left field. So you're not always talking about what they do for work, but seeing how they got to why they, they do what they do. I think that's really important, especially in a startup, because I don't think in any really early stage startup, you're going to ever find silver bullet type of candidates because those guys usually cost a lot more. And at the end of the day, even those guys, if you got them on board, may not work out because they're used to certain luxuries. And so I think finding things like grit and perseverance and understanding are almost more important than just the skill set itself. Love that. Yeah. You know, one of, one of the things that I look for when I hire is, is hunger. You can't teach hunger. No. And I always hate to I hate to use myself because I'm definitely not somebody who likes to boast on myself, but I've always, always been a very hungry person, not just in terms of just making money, which is, which is obviously I've been more in the business development side, but just that being successful. And, and I don't want to say trying to, to have perfection because I don't think you ever get to that point, but always trying to learn more and do more. Right. And so mm-hmm. I knew what it was like to have that in me and I still do. And I kind of look for that as opposed to, you know, always talking to, to somebody who has, all the expertise under the sun, but no real drive to help us grow. Love that, man. Uh, great tip. And for all you folks listening, looking for people, uh, I think this is some, some great information to take on with you to make sure you get the right candidates in the right seats. Alex, so this is great, man. You guys seem to be doing some really interesting things. You're, you're getting people funneled into the right care scenarios. You're, you're helping providers really sift through the what could be complex process of putting patients in the right place, putting them in the right place. What's an exciting project that you're working on? Our biggest one right now is kind of our our AI tool that I kind of mentioned earlier. For us, that's kind of our linchpin. We really believe that using AI technologies and not to use buzzwords, because I know that's what a lot of people do. We actually understand, uh, or at least have the team to understand it conceptually and, and from a production perspective, but being able to use certain things that help assist people so that, you know, I mentioned just, just a few minutes ago about education in the industry. Urgent care is not that new of a method to get treatment, 
but it's also about widely uh, misunderstood in, in, in a way. And not a lot of people understand that they can go to an urgent care when they're sick or, or what an ER does. I mean, really, we just like we use the ER default as our, our mechanism, but there's really so many things that can happen for a patient. So we said, if we can help guide a patient through AI, they don't have to like educate themselves while they're in that 45 minutes when they're sick. We'll just help them make that decision. So that right there, being kind of the assistant to the patient is really what we're, we're highly passionate about. And I think once we can release that, we're going to really be excited for the next, next step of our company. That's awesome, man. Well, congratulations on that work. And it sounds like it's definitely going to be a, a driver for what you guys do in the next chapter. Let's pretend we're building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in healthcare startups. It's going to be the 101 of Alex. <laughs> We're going to write a syllabus. I've got five questions for you, sure. and I'll, we'll follow that with your book recommendation to the listeners. You ready? Sure. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? I really do believe listening to what the patient's saying and doing before making a decision. So using technology to be able to capture all that so that the doctors can actually have all the information as opposed to just like word of from uh, surface value. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? This is actually a really good one. Uh, not being humble or vulnerable. And I say that because I preach it in every day. One, every company should act as if they're vulnerable because it actually makes you not just always look over your shoulder, but look at where you perfect and make you not be the expert, but be always being the one trying to be educated and being humble. I think by being humble, it really gives you the opportunity to not look at yourself, but look at the company or your strategy as something much bigger than yourself. That's great, man. And how do you stay relevant uh, despite constant change? I'm always reading up on, on everything. I mean, every day I do a daily, like 10 to 15 minute search of what's going on. I mean, it comes through my RSS feeds, but nice. just to see what, what changes are going on in my prior life. We did a lot of work with payers or was able to be in the payer industry for a little bit and understand kind of like what their method of, of going to market is and on the opposite side and, and knowing what the Affordable Care Act does for a lot of people. And so I think there's a lot of things that, that stem from our politics of healthcare that, that help make those decisions. And so I make sure I'm always keeping up with what's going on and even interjecting and being a voice as much as I can. It keeps me at, at, at a point where I'm always kind of knowing what, what's going on, even if I'm not the full expert on it, of course. So that I, I know that either A, our core business doesn't get affected, or if there is a place where we could be affected, that we know that we could have a pivot or whatever the case is. Yeah, for sure. And what would you say uh, one area of focus that drives your company is? So I would say just understanding the patient mentality. Now that we've, we're able to collect more data, not even just through our own technology, but through other technologies, and understanding where, what patients are doing, not just when they're sick, but every, everyday lives of their health or well-being, that's something that we want to be the partner of for everybody. And we, we hope that in the, in the future, we're, we can be much more respected on for that as per se any, any other technology that we can build, because that's really true intelligence, because I, I always use the phrase that every person is an expert on their own healthcare. And I think that we forget that, especially being in the medical industry, that you know, the person, even though you're giving them a diagnosis, they're always, they feel like they're somewhat of an expert at what they know that they're feeling, and they're the only ones who could feel it. And so mm. by technology, we can capture some of that. We can't capture it all, of course. And as, I mean, unless we you know, start to wire into people's brains and understand their feelings. But <laughs> I think if we get to you know, a good 50% of it, I, I really do think that we, we build a better world of, of healthcare. Love that. What would you say your number one success habit is? I think 
by being able to take uh, calculated rest. There's those who believe you should always be working 24 seven. And, and I'm not saying I don't do that. I'm not saying I, I don't have nine to five hours. I'm not working just Monday through Friday, but I do calculate myself to have rest or breaks. Um, I have two little children and, and I've been married for over seven years now. Those are bigger accomplishments in my life than anything I can build or be part of. So I want to be, be there and be part of that as well as being able to build the next great thing. So calculating those those rest times for myself and my family and so that we could at least rejuvenate ourselves when we need be. That's awesome, man. Good for you. You got to have that balance. Awesome. And, and what would you say your book recommendation to the listeners is? There was a book I read. It's not one of the, the more famous books in the startup world. I think there's quite a few that people always reference and I, and I get tired, but there's one called Strategic IQ. It's actually a book that I, I read quite a few years ago at this point, but I always think about it every now and then. I might even chat, you know, look through some chapters every now and then, but it really helps you build kind of a more strategic thought process on everything you do and understand the difference between the size of your organization as opposed to bigger organizations, right? And how that certain skill sets or certain strategies between the two could really help each other. And especially when you're selling to a much larger organization or to yourself, helps you really understand why it takes them so long to buy or implement or whatever the case is and how you can help kind of maneuver yourselves around there. So I've read that, but I went one time really, really fully, but I always reference it back and forth just because I, I think there's a lot of good in there. Great recommendation. Strategic IQ. Folks, you know, you could reach out on the web, just go to outcomesrocket.health and you'll find the interview with Alex. Just type in quicker care into the search bar. It's quicker with an apostrophe R, Q-U-I-C-K apostrophe R, care. And you'll see that the entire transcript, the syllabus we just created for you, as well as all the links to the awesome things that Alex has shared today will be there for you. Alex, this has been a blast. I, I really have had a, a good time chatting with you. I'd love if you could just share a closing thought with the listeners and then the best place where they could get in touch with you. So I would say a good, good closing thought is, you know, if you're building a business or you're looking at, at, at building something specifically in healthcare, I really do believe that no matter what you do, you should think about the patient first before anybody else. Because even if you're building something that's bedded into hospital corporations or payer corporations, everything that they do is for patients as well and treatment. And so that should always be top of mind because it really can help you develop the better outcome for yourself and for your company. And anybody could reach out to me uh, through my corporate email. It's um, alex at quickercare.com. Outstanding, Alex. Hey, really appreciate you uh, sharing your thoughts on this emergency care versus immediate care space and, and how do we deal with the millennial generation that doesn't spend time doing, for the most part, primary care visits. So I think there's a, it's a niche that's worthwhile of your approaches and I'm excited to hear how you guys uh, do with the AI algorithm when it comes out. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.